And so, three, two, one. Howdy! Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast, the podcast for people who say, you know what? A B is good enough. Um, This is a production, Managing Expectations is a production of Pacific Century Media. I'm Jeff Winger. With me is my segundo, Jared Reiser. Ahoy, hoy. Did you say ahoy? Ahoy, hoy. (laughs) Managing Expectations is our routine survey of the passing scene, uh, our look at interesting things and people, uh, our look at... Uh, the things that make interesting people interesting. The books, music, movies, uh, the pop culture, such as it is. Um, So, Jared and I are hoping to be joined later in the podcast by uh, uh, a very talented musician, but I don't want to drop names in case he can't figure out Skype. Uh, I would think, I would think, Jared and I, uh, before, before we started uh, recording, were exchanging uh, uh, quarantine stories, stories, and um, so uh, I have, I don't want to make the whole podcast about this because it's, uh, it's not the most fun, uh, and who knows, Um uh, we may look back on this and uh, say, um, well, I don't know what we're going to look back on it and say. Weren't they weren't they being quaint before the plague? <laughs> but uh, virus named after that beer. <laughs> I um uh, I I ventured into Sam's Club uh, to visit the pharmacy on both Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Sam's was pretty picked over. Um, Apparently, according to the girls in the pharmacy, there was a line kind of wrapped around the building uh, when they opened and uh, people came through and then just bought tons of stuff. Uh, Can it be? I was getting out my buggy whip. And in the process of getting out my buggy whip and looking for the outhouse, um, I ran across the instructions on how to get back on Skype. What am I talking to dinosaurs here? Skype? Really? Uh, it's a Microsoft company. I think that you'd be okay with that. <laughs> Do you not have your camera on? Uh, my camera. Sh- oh, hang on. Here we go. How's that? Hey, there we go. It shut me out, and then I had to join a separate separate. For call there. Yeah, so we're back with okay. Jared Reiser joining us. We were Jared and I were just exchanging uh, 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 big box uh, pre pre pestilence uh, stories. Ah, uh, the good old days. Yeah, yesterday morning. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, joining us is uh, Christopher Galley. Chris Galley and I have known each other for 25, 30 years. Chris is uh, currently in the great state of Arizona. He comes there by way of 
Denver, Colorado, by way of the Garden State of New Jersey. That's right, baby. Is it uh, is it chilly in uh, in Arizona today? Uh, yeah, well, it's it's warmed up a little bit. We're at fifty two degrees. It's pouring rain. They say that Arizona after it rains is stunningly beautiful. It is. I can't wait till tomorrow. When it's not pouring rain. When it's not pouring rain. rain. Yeah, and it'll be... Oh, wait a minute now. It's raining tomorrow, too. Sounds like here. Ah, well. (laughs) Where's Uh, here, Jared? (laughs) Mansfield, Texas. Oh, yeehaw. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Stars at night are clear and bright. (laughs) Let's see. What is the day today? Yeah. Not even... uh, in April yet, and we're already getting ready to hit hitting the mid eighties. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, a high. you've got that humidity thing going for you too. That's uh, yeah. I grew up on the East Coast and had have plenty of that in my background. <laughs> it's actually not as humid here as people might think. It's less humid than Kansas City, where I was was oh, for yeah. five years, and it's not it's not nearly as humid as. Uh, subtropical Houston. Oh, yeah. Um, However, um, our part of Texas, I think, gets more rain than, like, Portland, Oregon. It's just that instead of getting it over 300 days, we get it in, like, 20. So so a lot of rain falls. Yeah, yeah. uh, And, and like, so uh, Mrs. Winger and I were uh, working out in the yard... Uh, and, um, uh, let me just say it's, uh, it, it was humid today. Jared works outside. Did you find a human? I mean, I was sweating. Yeah. Bad. Okay. <laughs> well, this humidity report was for the old people who, uh, may make up, uh, a large portion of our listening audience since the actually we could be blowing up right now because everybody is, uh, is got time on their hands. Yeah. Well, not everybody. You're still working from home, right, Chris? Yeah, actually, um, I normally work from home, um, but, uh, but I travel. Um, so half of that is no longer true. They the, shut uh, down the traveling. They did. Well, they, what they didn't shut it down, but they said only travel if you have to, if it's a very important client meeting, but um, I only have two clients, and all of both of them are on lockdown, so they're not traveling. So uh, they're all That's working a, from home, and there's no point. Yeah. All right. Well, I, Jared and I were talking. I don't really want to make this about the the about COVID nineteen. It's a it's a fact of life, but uh, not really. Uh, uh, there's no sense in um, you know. I, I was I, I missed that day in epidemiology school, so I don't really have anything to add other than, um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I am pleased that I've been getting my information from places like uh, the CDC website, you know, um, as opposed to, I don't know, Facebook, where somebody tells you to gargle with bleach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know if you, you heard um, Stephen Colbert still held like a show in his home, and he did it in his bathtub, like a he did a bubble bath, and he's in it still wearing a suit. 
So he said something funny about the uh, epidemiologists. He was saying that, you know, the whole quarantine thing is supposed to help uh, flatten the curve. But he said, uh, based on my current level of inactivity and stress baking, I definitely will not be flattening my curves. <laughs> Weird Al has a two-minute video on germs. That's uh, hilarious. <laughs> on germs? On germs, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Okay, I think I know. I saw well, I it a song. We, okay, so Jared is the, of the, the song generation. Germs. Where... Is that the one where he says they're all over me? They're all it's inside not a, me? It's not, it's not a song. It's, it's one okay. of those... It's a mashup of those uh, 50s, 60s public service announcements with their stoic announcer talking about germs and how they're all out to kill you and here's what you can do to, <laughs> to keep from dying. And <laughs> It's great. Uh, Jared's of the generation that, uh, I mean, Weird Al was one of the... <laughs> One of the main influences in his uh, cultural <laughs> foundation. So, so Weird Al, Weird Al, and I go way back. I was actually in the in the military. I was in the army band, and one of my buddies said, "You got to listen to this guy." And it was uh, another one rides the bus. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then I heard my Bologna, and then you know, I mean, from there it was all it was all downhill. <laughs> but he has he's so I remember this when I was a kid. Um, I, I used to watch uh, what was his name? Spike Jones. And Spike Jones was the 40s, 50s version of Weird Al. And he would do these musical parodies. And when I started learning music and how to play an instrument, I realized just how talented you have to be to be that funny with music. And that's the same with Weird Al. If you listen to his, uh, so, his some of his parodies, like "Eat It" instead of "Beat It," right, and some of the some of the other ones, and the guitar playing on there, and uh, it's just brilliant. I mean, the man is a phenomenal musician. He just turned it into comedy, and uh, sometimes those those uh, funny musicians, the comedian musicians, will white label. They'll they'll present themselves as a different artist. They'll have an avatar, and uh, and make some good music. Um, so I think of like David Johansson, who had three different identities, right? He was with the New York Dolls, and then he was himself, and then he did Buster Poindexter, right? And, and Buster Poindexter was, a, was a, a comedy act that had one big hit, that song Hot, 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 right? Um, but you have to be at a different level of talent in order to pull that off. And that's where Weird Al is. He is just at the elite level of musicianship. In the classical world, there's a guy... Who used to go by the name? He's I, I think he's still around, but he he had his heyday in the 70s. His name was Peter Shickley, and he was a professor professor at Juilliard for for forever. And he created this character called PDQ Bach, which was the unknown last-born son of Johann Sebastian Bach. And he wrote all of this classical music under this alias of PDQ Bach. And so one of his most famous pieces is uh, Beethoven's Fifth. And it's it's a sports cast, and he's got a sidekick with him, and he starts out, and you hear the audience in the background, and they're getting ready uh, to start the event, and they're talking about how this horn player was just uh, was traded from another orchestra, and um, and they, the players are putting their helmets on, and here we go, and then it goes, da 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 da, and they're off, right, and that, and for the next five minutes, it's these these two sportscasters calling the musical piece as if it were a game. 
Mm-hmm. Find it, listen to it. It's brilliant. But again, it, it's a different level of musicianship to be able to do that. Peter Shickley was a phenomenal musician in his own right. You don't get to be a teacher in Juilliard if unless you're at that level. But yet he chose to de- devote his uh, his energy mostly towards comedy. There's a there's a level of uh, musicianship that uh, gets into math. Um, it, I, I, uh, I I'm I'm a simple guy. Most of the people I like are uh, three chords and the truth types of uh, singers. And I I should have warned everyone. Chris Chris knows the math uh, of. Uh, of, uh, of 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 music so um uh he starts talking about um minor keys and uh i i just i don't really i don't really get it i just know when to expect the guitar solo so, so uh, funny you should mention math and uh, i don't know if i if i told you this but there's a, a mutual brethren of ours uh who is uh, used to be the chief information officer for one of the counties in Colorado in the Denver metro area. And um, when you could do this, he would only hire technical staff that had uh, music in their background. Really? And the reason he did was um, logic. He, because music, if you can play a musical instrument with any degree excuse me, of, um, of a debtness, you're solving a problem. If you're reading music, you have to be able to read ahead and conclude where the piece is going to go. If you're improvising, you're creating music as you're going along. And even if you just jam and playing rock and roll, you have to collaborate with other musicians or else you're going to stand out and you're not a team player. And he looked at all of those factors and and determined. And so he had almost his entire staff were musicians of some level. Um, so yeah, there's a direct connection. It's the same part of the brain that gets used for music as does for uh, higher learning in math. Yeah, which would explain <laughs> why I'm so poor at both of them. <laughs> I, you know, I think so. One of the things Chris and I have in common is uh, a, a high regard for for Bruce Springsteen. Um, uh, uh, it was, I think, the the poetry wh- uh, of Springsteen's writing uh, that drew me to him, uh, and then I just stayed for, uh, you know, the, the 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 you know the the band crashing through, and um, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Darkness on the Edge of Town is is heavy with with guitar solos, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Interestingly, little Steven says um, uh, he uh, uh, little uh, Steve Van Zant, uh, who Jared was um, uh, uh, is, has his own band, but he was also uh, he acted in um, The Sopranos. He was one of the characters, uh, like Tony Soprano's oldest best friend. So. Um, uh, this is Steve Van Zant says, uh, uh, he said, I wouldn't have called it darkness on the edge of town. I would have called it 70 lost arguments. <laughs> right. For all the songs so, that he uh, wanted to play and Bruce shot down. <laughs> right, right. Or, or the way he wanted to do it different. And and so, so Van Zant 
insist to this day the darkness could have been a better album than it is and it's like it's like to me it's like my best the bet i think it's just my favorite album ever uh it's just perfect the way it is sonically the writing of it and um and uh i i, I kind of wonder what uh steve van zandt would have done differently but um um have are you familiar uh, chris have you listened to any of the disciples of soul music that since he's been solo in the last few years yes um have you heard his version of tucson train no i did not know he did a version of tucson train yes he does and it's available on itunes and i uh i sprung for the 129 uh, like I'm like I'm some sort of aristocrat, uh, um, and then uh, uh, and it's great. He just he he just has like this whole, the whole band playing. I mean, he really. Um, I mean, is it am I am I missing the point, or is he doing a Phil Spector wall of sound? He no, I I hear that in other music of his. He's a big fan of Phil Spector's. If you listen to his underground garage when he's the host, um, that's the genre he pulls a lot of his music from. Is that that era of the 60s where people were experimenting with sound and it was uh, mostly big music, it was big sound, big orchestras, lots of vocals, uh, you know, the whole wrecking crew kind of thing in the background. Which I talked to Chris um, Levine about last time. Yeah, yeah, they, they, uh, they got around. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so Steve, I did not like his music though when he first broke off from the E Street Band. Um, I thought it was uh, a cheap imitation. That's I, I don't know if I go back and listen to it now, I may think differently. But at the time, that's how I felt. I, and and there were a lot of cheap imitations back then. Um, uh, uh, who was the one that uh, that did um, uh, on the dark side? Uh, was that John Cafferty, Beaver Brown? Yeah, cheap imitation. Oh sure, you know, and then there but, were there were but the that ones was that make. was really for Eddie and the Cruisers. I mean, yeah, Eddie and the Cruisers, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I think John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, as I recall, yeah, uh, were, were probably just a cover band somewhere, and then um, they got, you know, they got offered to do uh, Springsteen songs for uh, Eddie and the Cruisers, which. So they, they weren't a cover band. Uh, I actually have uh, one, one of the concessions that was made to my band in the day was um, Bruce bumped us from being an opening act in, for the Stray Cats in favor of John Cafferty. And uh, the consolation prize was the club owner gave us tickets to the show. And they did have a lot of their own music. Um, uh, I, I just thought that they were cheap imitation. I mean, you listen to that song... That sax solo is is just a glorified Clarence version, and uh, the vocals, the reverb on it—that's like you know classic Springsteen from Wild and the Innocent, the E Street Shuffle, and and Born to Run. Uh, and I and and little Steven, I I kind of put him in that same category, uh, maybe unfairly, but I will listen to Tucson Train um, because it's a awesome song. It's such a good song. It is really good. And that whole that whole album Western Star, I couldn't I didn't want to listen to it because I was afraid I wasn't going to like it. My wife Patty, she listened to it and she went out and right away and bought the video and and I, I was traveling or whatever and 
and, and she kept saying, you need to listen to this. And then she just put on a CD um, when she was uh, you know, cleaning the house and I'm working from home and I'm listening to this. I'm like, you kidding me? Is that what this is all about? Stopped what I was doing, listened to the whole thing, watched the video. And it's, I put it up there with the rising. It's, it is that good in my mind. It is that well produced. It is a, such a great story. To me, it's almost like the culmination of his entire career is is this album where um there there's no no i is is not dotted every t is crossed it's like perfect bruce springsteen music wow other than that it's all right (laughs) okay well so here's the thing don't tell mrs winger but i love tucson train so much that (laughs) I went to, so I bought little Steven's version on iTunes, and then I went to buy the Springsteen version from um, not not the original album Western Stars, but from the movie. Right. Uh, I, I, I like the strings. Uh, I like that. So I went to buy Tucson Train, but I accidentally bought um, Western Stars, the song. Oh, so okay. I got the wrong song. Well, now I'm in for a buck twenty nine. So oh, now, okay. yeah. So now they, you know, now they're they're willing to sell me the whole album. Uh, and and at, at that point, I didn't want to go another buck twenty nine. Not get the whole album. Just get the two songs that I you know like best. And so, so uh, you know, so I'm in. I, I'm into iTunes now for like twelve bucks and change. So. Uh, yeah. I, I got to tell you, I hope that the uh, economic uh, ramifications um, of the uh, pandemic uh, don't uh, don't hang on too long. Can you wait till April 6th? Because I'm told you'll be getting a thousand dollars. That that's not as cool as it used to be. <laughs> the, you um, need a few more of those, right? Uh, you know what would be, uh, you know what's, what would mean, here's the thing, if uh, if there wasn't the very real likelihood that most of us are going to get sick, um, uh, the cheap gas would probably yeah. be economic stimu- stimulus enough. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, nobody's nobody's going anywhere. Well, that's it. Well, in uh, the great state of Arizona, they did uh, limit us to groups of ten or less, which um, is a boon for the platforms that allow for collaboration, like Skype and Zoom and the others, WebEx. Um, we're using it in ways that we didn't want to use it for before because we didn't have to. So now we have to. And in, in that respect, you know, you could you could always you'd always say there's always something good that comes out of it. anything bad. I, I don't subscribe to that. I just think it's like you make the most of it and then you learn something that you can just use later on. And that's that's what we're doing here. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but um, the in addition to the pharmaceuticals and and the grocery chains uh, profiting from this situation, it's also the uh, online gaming industry because everybody's stuck at home (laughs) playing games (laughs) so like Fortnite and stuff like that yeah yeah name it online gaming online gambling you know gears of war all that kind of stuff they're uh 
just just again picture a bunch of people <laughs> with no life locked in their locked in their home for days. They can't go out to the bar. So they'll they'll buy what they can. They can't buy toilet paper. So they're not dating. Uh, I'm finally up to a level twenty wizard now. So <laughs> with a cloak of invisibility, <laughs> and I just recently pur- purchased boots of escape. So <laughs> boots of escape. <laughs> Well, um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Well, uh, Mrs. Winger's uh, employer uh, has closed up shop through April. No, well through through March. Two. They're going to revisit, mm-hmm. and so it'll probably be September, because um, uh, you know I well. I mean, look. I again. I uh, I'm not an I'm not an expert, but I just don't see this thing being over in a couple weeks. Uh, I mean, I think we're just going to be getting sick in a couple weeks. Could be. Could be. Are Are we live? Are we recording? Are we? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I should disregard this phone call then, because somebody keeps trying to call me. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, if you need to take your call, uh, hang on a second. I do, unfortunately. Okay, no, uh, just uh, mute yourself. Just mute yourself. Do you know how to mute yourself? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Th- that seems muted. All right, Jared. Do you need me to explain what Chris was talking about at any point? Yeah, starting from the very beginning. <laughs> I don't know if you saw me looking down. I'm like, I'm Googling a few words, trying to find some <laughs> definitions here. I thought you, I thought you started playing uh, uh, God of War <laughs> or, or Assassin's Creed. So when he started talking about online gaming profiting, it's like, that I, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, see, he's got all the math. I mean, you, know, that, you should have had him on with, with Levine. Levine, yeah, those two, those two guys, I bet those two together talking about music. I know. But... I don't know. This is this is nice, though. It's I mean, it's that's one of the things I enjoy about this podcast is I get to learn. Oh, sure. That's the thing that the growing number of our listeners uh, dig about this podcast. Yeah. Um, the thing about uh, yeah. Well, I was hoping to get Levine, but he's he's uh, uh, tied up until seven, and then I don't know if he's got to drive home or if he's um, uh, going to be able to just toggle over to us. But um, you know, we make this allowance for you. Uh, because your wife works Wednesday night, the rest of us are just blowing our, our wives, wives off. off. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know. So, I, I hope you enjoy the sacrifice that we're making uh, for you, Jared. This is a sacrifice. Now, can I tell you about this phone call? Because I think you might enjoy it. <laughs> oh well, if we'll enjoy so, it, Jared, you yeah, good? You will. You will enjoy it. So, <laughs> I uh, I own a, a a small business, a car wash, self service car wash. Oh, and. Um, License to make money, by the way. Last week, last week we had a crisis. I was in Denver, and my uh, 
cleaning guy calls up and he says the dumpster's overflowing. Well, I don't. Okay, there's only two reasons why it would. Somebody broke into it and and uh, emptied their apartment, which happens. Sure. Or the the trash pickup company didn't pick it up. So it's usually the latter. So I call up the trash company, try to find out what's going on. Now keep in mind, I had already called them because they had missed the previous pickup. So now the dumpster's overflowing, and we have a big problem. So uh, after 40 minutes on the phone with somebody who was determined to hang up on me somehow, some way, and I would not let her, I found out the reason why the dumpster was overflowing is because they had a substitute driver. Neither the regular driver or the substitute thought to ask if we had a key to our dumpster, which we have to have by law here, because you can't, you'd, otherwise you'd be responsible for toxic waste if somebody were to dump it in there. So you have to lock your dumpster. Or you get one with a gravity bar. Well, I inherited one that had a, had a padlock on it. The substitute driver sends a note to headquarters that um, the owner of the business did not provide a key. And that's when I lost every semblance of what it's like <laughs> to be professional on the phone. No, I wasn't that bad. But I helped them to appreciate in very clear terms, and I use small words, that this was their fault and as a result of it being their fault, they will inconvenience me no more, and they will also provide me credit. <laughs> and um, um, then they continued to blame me, saying, well, the driver said, I said, look, I don't care what the driver said. This is the third time you've told me that you don't have a key. Each time I leave you a new key, and then this happens again. So this kind woman, customer service agent, was calling me up to let me know that they forgot to issue the credit that they promised me I was going to get and that I would be getting that credit and they did swap out my dumpster for one with a gravity bar and they were very very sorry so ah oh, nice happy ending happy yeah, fantastic yeah. Yeah. but without our trash you know people, we need we more stories think. like that chris in these days of woe and <laughs> and, and, and tension well but think about it if they didn't empty the dumpster i mean we're talking you know not only coronavirus, but corona beer bottles. Mm. <laughs> mm, saw that coming. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, you telegraphed that punch. I, um, I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, so uh, Levine and I were talking about uh, the Wrecking Crew and 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 uh, Galley just mentioned them. Um, uh, their range was unbelievable. I mean, they did uh, Phil Spector records, and then they did the Tijuana Brass, and they did Ike and Tina Turner, and they did Darlene Love, and they did um, uh, Sonny and Cher. I mean, they just were like, they just did everything. It was amazing. Funk Brothers, too, were like that. Who are they? The, the Funk Brothers? Oh, yeah. that's most of the Motown Oh, a mixed race uh, backup band for for Motown. So you know, uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. The, well, the Miracles were just the stage dancer singers. They weren't the band. It was the Funk Brothers. They were the band. Funk Brothers wrote those neat little Jackson Five licks. You know, dun 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 dun. They wrote that stuff. Huh? Yeah. Look them up, Funk Brothers. There's actually a, a documentary, I think Netflix, one of them has a documentary on them. Okay. Phenomenal musicians. Good. So so in the, in the music world, right, we, we 
we tried to ca carve out our niche. Everybody wanted to be in a band like a Springsteen or the Eagles or somebody like that that made it big. But most of the good musicians wind up being session musicians. They're hired okay. guns. And they, they'll play on an album, they'll do a tour, and then when the album and the tour is over, then they go on to something else. And, and the, there's a downside to that, right? You don't get the notoriety uh, to the public, but you make good money, and you also get very, very good because you are forced to, to learn multiple styles of music and perform multiple styles of music, which is not the same as playing in a studio. I mean, you've got to be on when you're performing or else you lose the gig. So uh, I got nothing but love and respect for the session guys. I, I remember years ago, we, had, uh, we did a demo and um, we had a guy named, um, I think his name was Tommy Zvoncek, and he was an organist. And he played for the Sex Pistols, believe it or not. And we, yeah. he, he happened to be from New York or New Jersey or something, and we hired him to do our demo. And I still listen to that to this day. And now we're talking 1984. And brilliant, just brilliant solos. And he knocked them out, like, take one or take two, something like that. And... <laughs> When, when, you're, when you're that good, you can do that. Huh. Um, uh, so, um, you, you mentioned Netflix. Uh, you guys watched anything in the last few days? Ben? No. Jared? Not really, man. I haven't had a whole lot of time. Yeah. I, I canceled Netflix. You know, hey, you were talking about canceling. Or just yes. last week. Last week I canceled them. I, I, I so was about. I, 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 yeah, but my mom. Uh, it's a long story, uh, but uh, my mom, who'd been staying with my sister, is now staying with us. And um, we I were see. starting to look for uh, a place of her own. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, and we had some fruitful hunting, uh, but then, uh, well, you know, the pandemic, right. Uh, so, uh, so we're probably just gonna see where this goes. Um, anyway, uh, sh it's, it's easier to entertain her with Netflix and Hulu, uh, though, uh, no, yeah, she doesn't seem to appreciate Disney plus as much as I thought she might. Um, That's a big complaint about Disney Plus is not a not enough content for people over fifteen. Um, <laughs> then why do I love it so much? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I only have it because I got it free for a year through Verizon. So I was like, well, why not if it's free? You know. So I've only watched a few a few things on it. You know, Jeff, you talk about how much you like Jeff Goldblum. He's got that that deal where he kind of takes you all around the I can't remember if he goes actually actually around the world but I mean he 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 has a different subject for each show and he'll it's like kind of weird sometimes yeah. interesting you know what I'm talking about yeah the world according to Goldblum and I thought I thought the first one was really great on uh, sneakers the sneakers like, yeah that, yeah, that was, was great uh, but we just I got Mrs. Winger to watch the one on tattoos and uh, it, it wasn't. And she good. didn't like that. Uh, I, the ice cream one was was weird. I I don't know. I I um. <clears throat> I see. I, some people think Jeff Goldblum's creepy. I think he's hilarious. I think he's really interesting. 
I mean, he's just like he's just so trippy. I, I dig it. It's, I don't know I if I know shtick. anybody who thinks he's creepy. It's just he's he's just a weird guy. Talk, a funny talk, weird guy. Ask girls. I Emily likes him. Does she? Uh huh. She it's actually probably. thinks she actually thinks he's kind of an attractive attractive guy too. Well, yeah. Here's <laughs> the thing: she's attracted to his intellect. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I I. I'm trying to think how long it's been since the last episode. You were asking if I watched something. I did finally watch Fighting with the Family. Oh, see, that was pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't bad. I I think Emily liked it for the most part, but she just, I think the whole wrestling thing, it, uh, I mean, she can't get on board with that. But she, yeah, but she did, for the most part, enjoy the movie. Well, I'm not a wrestling fan. You know, I'm not a WWE fan or whatever it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought um, I thought Stephen Merchant's hilarious. Uh, I like, uh, what's her name, Florence Pugh. Uh, she's a terrific young actress. She was in um, a miniseries, The Little Drummer Girl, which was on, I don't know, AMC or something. But she's great. Uh, she's She plays... Uh, Scarlett Johansson's sister in the new, uh, the upcoming Scar uh, uh, Black Widow movie. Oh, that's who she is. Yeah. So, that and actually, I, I you know I don't know what that if that's going to be any good, but um, I'm actually hoping to just say, all right, thank you for Endgame. I'm done with Marvel movies now. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of feels that way to me too. I mean, Iron Man broke new ground. I thought it was fantastic. And still love it. Still love all the Iron Man movies. And uh, the the original Avengers movie was was phenomenal. I, I loved I loved Captain Marvel. I thought that was a great flick too. <clears throat> did you really? Yeah, I did. Um, I for a couple of reasons. You know, one is that uh, I I thought the the casting was was well done. And uh, you know they they did they did fill in some gaps about Shield and how that all got started. And um, and then they also filled in a major gap with uh, the end of uh, what was the one where everybody turns into dust and mm-hmm. and uh, Nick Fury is sending a signal like Infinity War was that in the end of Infinity War Infinity War yeah 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 I, I didn't understand what that was about and one of my uh, uh, comic book geek friends said it had to do with Captain Marvel I'm like what did it have to do with Captain Marvel well like they filled that in too yeah. Now, what was disappointing, though, was that um, despite all the the phenomenal superpowers all of the Avengers have, um, Thanos just, you know, swatted them like flies. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I even in Thor, Thor could have ended it, right? He could have. But should have gone for the head. Like, why didn't he? Why didn't he chop him in the head with with his with his new um, Mjolnir axe? Instead, he goes for some <laughs> other body part that anybody could survive. I'm like, really? This the was only axe. To be fair, I thought in in the whole mythology world, I thought Thor was actually kind of a dummy, right? I mean, he was always yeah, fallen yeah. for his brother's tricks, Loki's he's tricks. He was he was yeah. a t- yeah he was a brute. He was a big tough. I mean, he's a tough guy. He was a jock, really, but wasn't the brightest. Now Loki, on the other hand. <laughs> Loki's my kind of guy. <laughs> really? <laughs> See, they. Um, I was talking to uh, 
so a, a, a kid that I worked with came by and visited me uh, in my, you know, my, uh, that I work with in my day job, and he came over and visited me um, last week, and and uh, we were watching um, uh, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, which I know you don't like, Chris, or you didn't. Not you only to like not it? only don't I like it, you hate it. I, I like how much I hate it. <laughs> he may be the first I've heard say that. I feel like everybody loved that one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and Led Zeppelin uh, did did somebody had to give permission to use "Immigrant Song" in that movie? Did they not even think to see the movie? Well, how do they you know tarnish that that masterpiece of rock and roll? Um, see, I thought it, it fit. Now you and I. Um, are old enough to remember Flash Gordon. Um, Flash Gordon. Have you ever seen it, Jared? Flash Gordon? Yeah. 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 Really? I grew, up, I grew up watching Flash Gordon. Dude, it came out in like 79 or 80. I mean, I know, yeah. I just, my dad, that's the kind of, he played Queen. that stuff all the, yeah. I was introduced to Queen. I was rocking out to Queen when I was, I don't know, like six months old. True story. <laughs> Another one bites the dust came on, and my my parents say I was bobbing my head to another one bites the dust. <laughs> so so Max von Sydow just died. Yeah, and uh, everybody's remembering yeah. him for uh, these these deep uh, Bergman yeah. movies, and I, I remember him as uh, Ming the Merciless right. in uh, Flash right. Gordon. Flash Gordon, right? And and uh, Jesus and King of Kings. <laughs> for those of us who grew up around that faith. <laughs> is is that right? Yeah. Okay. The King so, of Kings, you know, the version that they ran in two parts on Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon from 1964 until 1979, um, every time around Easter and Christmas. Really? Yeah. Uh, no, I've never, I've never seen it. I did. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, I did just watch Ben Hur for the first time, and oh, really? uh, yeah. And I, and I I I'm pretty sure well that that's what the Cohen brothers were thinking when they uh, were, did Hail Caesar. Um, <laughs> did, you, have you guys seen Hail Caesar? Yes. Yes. Uh, the only thing when they when they when um, uh, when Eddie Mannix uh, uh, what's his name uh, Josh Brolin has all the clergy in. There's like. Um, the Protestant, a Catholic, a Greek patriarch, and a rabbi, yeah. and the only thing that they can that, that they can agree on is that Baird Whitlock is a great talent. <laughs> okay, so let me let me correct myself. It's the greatest story ever told, not King of Kings. Okay, but but it was this, it's the same movie. I think I didn't see Max one sixty five. Sixty five. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, uh the um uh the other the next time i would see max von Sydow, it was as barbara hershey's boyfriend in um uh, much older live-in boyfriend uh in uh woody allen's hannah and her sisters that's right right you remember that i do that's a phenomenal movie oh it's great isn't it yeah it is it's one of his better I, I like a lot of Woody Allen movies, um, 
but that one is exceptional. Trigger warning. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we're, we're saying nice things about Woody Allen. Hey, you know, Jared, what's, what, I, Jared what's your favorite uh, Woody Allen line? Oh, gosh. Obviously, I like Woody Allen. Um, man, I, I got to think here for a second. Because the thing is, is like, so I, I like most of his movies, but for some reason, I always find myself quoting stuff from Curse of the Jade Scorpion, <laughs> which, which I know it's not, it's not nowhere near his greatest film, but he had some funny one-liners in there. Yeah. Um, well, and, well, his 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 famous quote for the workplace is eighty percent of success is showing up." Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's, uh, and true. And true. Yeah. So remember, what's her name? Charlize Theron is in Curse of the Jade Scorpion, and she comes to visit his apartment. It was a Helen Hunt. So Helen Hunt is in there as well. Yeah. She's the one who works with, they both work together, but Charlize Theron was like, she was at the scene of the crime because she's like one of the rich daughters that lives in the, the mansion or, or whatever. And But yeah. he, Woody Allen flirts with her, and so she eventually comes over to <laughs> she comes over to his apartment, and she's just wearing a, a jacket, and she's got nothing else on under the jacket. And she says that she's going to, while he makes a drink, she's going to slip into something a little more comfortable. He's a, a little more comfortable. What are you going to put on, Jergens lotion? <laughs> See, I, of- <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go with uh, she's got a body that won't quit. Won't quit. It won't even take a, she, it won't even take a coffee break. Won't take five minutes off for a coffee break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not his it's it's not his best work, but it was just it's you know what he kept it short. It's like a really short movie. It's like an hour and twenty minutes long. Yeah. It's got some it's got some goofy laughs in it, some decent actors. Did you like uh, Small Time Crooks? I did like Small Time Crooks. Yeah, that's one of our favorites. That's that's one of those where we've had a rough week and we just need to let our brains melt. We'll watch that. Yeah. Chicken chip and tuna mint cookies and <laughs> Elaine May was in that. She was. Yeah. And 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 Tony Darrow and I mean it you know it's got some some significant actors uh, uh Hugh Grant is in it. Is that right? Yeah, Tracy uh Tracy Ullman. Okay, I was yeah. looking up to see who all was I couldn't remember everybody. Oh, John Lovitz is in there too. Yeah, Lovitz is in there, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Emily's seen that. I may need to see if she wants to well, it's rated PG too. It, yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing there that's uh, that's um, objectionable or dangerous. It, it and and it's a funny story. I mean, it just uh, uh, scenes there where they're eating cookies and just saying really <laughs> stupid things to each other. And, <laughs> and uh, John Lovett says when when uh, when the, the the police officer demands money from them, and he says it's a standard business expense. <laughs> <laughs> um see my i um some people like the slapstick stuff and they go back all the way to like bananas and uh what's the one where he like is part of like yeah uh sleepers or sleeper 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 um what's the one where he's like ends up in like a cuban revel revolution oh 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 yeah 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 um I, I, I've seen it a number of times. Uh, gosh, 
gosh, now I'm thinking about it. I'm going uh, to look them up. How, how, how old are you talking, Jeff? Like how far back are you going? Well, that's, 70s. Th- these were in the 70s. 70s? Yeah, so so he he was doing slapstick through the well, more slapsticky kind of stuff through the sixties and seventies, and then he he got really influenced by Bergman and started doing uh, serious works. Uh, did, did he do interiors or was that yes. Bergman? Yeah, that's him. That's him. Okay. And that one wasn't funny, right? And I've never seen it, right? But then, and then I, I think in the eighties, um, okay. So like, I would be real uncomfortable with Manhattan these days because right. he's like forty and she's barely legal or jailbait yeah. or something, right? Right. Um, but bananas. But yeah, bananas. bananas. Yeah, See, bananas I, is the one where he was. Oh, yeah. like Banana Republic. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So so um, you, you know, love and death. The front, the front was was not a, a comedy. That was a dark comedy. Is that uh, right? Oh yeah, that was about. Uh, did he write that? Uh, I I'm think not sure that, that he did. Uh, I thought he did. Um, yeah, black comedy. Uh, oh no, Walter Ber- Bernstein wrote it, but he starred in it with Zero Mostel. But that, I mean, that was a scathing denunciation of the whole Hollywood blacklisting. Um, oh, is that what it was about? Yeah, it was the, well because that's it was it's based on a true story. And Woody Allen, um, I think, was was actually one of those writers for a very short period of time. But there were say, several. So there was like a character in there, Hecky Brown, who was supposed to be Shecky Green. Shecky right. Green was a ghost writer for other comics, and and these were branded communist writers that were blacklisted, and they they would write scripts for. Uh, under pseudonyms and you know slide the envelope under the door kind of thing so they could stay working and then finally you know all of it came to a head when um, when um, it was uh, exposed that McCarthy was a drunk and Truman had had enough of it and all that stuff and it, and it kind of just went away but uh, but that's what that movie's about and it's pretty sad Zero Mustel actually uh, plays a character who commits suicide in it it's just it's it's not a funny movie okay so, so um, my- that light note Sorry. My two favorites uh, by Woody Allen are Hannah and His Sisters, which I think was like 87, and Crimes and Misdemeanors, which was 89, as and memory that's a, serves. That's another great flick, Crimes and yeah. Misdemeanors. In fact, I had not watched that movie, and then you told me about it, and I wound up renting it And uh, back when you rented movies. And I, it was, that was a that was Jared likes stories of videotapes. Yeah, so it was this thing, videotape. It's blockbuster like a, Hollywood uh, Hollywood video. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, go to this that. thing called Blockbuster. So here's the problem. Here's the problem now, and I'm going to go in completely in another direction. That I <laughs> I feel bad for the youngins today because they don't know the experience of going to a record store where you walk in and there's some cool music playing that you just have to buy. But you can't afford it, so you're going to hang around and you're going to listen to it while you're looking for the album that you can afford. And there's somebody in there that you know, and you're looking through the obscure records, and you're looking for the ones on sale. And it's an experience, and it's something you plan to do. You don't just go to the record store. You say, I am going to the record store. It's a destination for you. And that's gone now. 
and and it, it extended over into music video and into videos with Blockbuster. Blockbuster being the king of that at the time, and you but you still had an experience. You'd go into the video store and you'd shop and you'd look for it. Now with everything direct to the home, that experience is gone, and and I think it's a loss. It's kind of it was kind of a community thing. There were de- disadvantages to it, of course, you know, and technology innovation and and public demand will drive changes but but it's just sad because i you know i talked to some younger ones and and their their exposure to music is maybe socially you know hey listen to this kind of thing but it's not you're not in the same place at the same time doing that where you discuss make a discovery like that and both of you decide wow we really like this so it's it's a sad um it's a sad change in society i think See, I think so. Like, I go back to, because I'm I'm 40, so I, I I don't go back as you know to the to the record record days, but I do remember going with my friends to, you know, like the CD warehouse, and we'd go in there and put on headphones and yeah. go around and listen to different types of of music, and usually we could only afford maybe one cassette or or CD. <laughs> It, 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 so so I mean it, it's a it's a change that's been taking place for a while. I mean honestly, uh, CD Warehouse is probably the name of a company that's aged the the worst. I mean I mean Record Bar, uh, which used to be in the malls in the seventies. Um, uh, well, see the thing is, records have kind of come back, yeah, but they're very expensive. Made a comeback, yeah. Well, it's and there, so the ones that have come back are the highest quality that you can get. The the ones back when we were kids could be high quality or they may not be high quality. It depended on how much you wanted to invest. So when when you when you recorded a record back then, you had to decide how much you wanted to spend on the quality of the vinyl. And uh, I, so we put out this one band I was in. We put out several singles. And um, the first couple of ones were the worst vinyl and the cheapest vinyl because we didn't have any money and it sounded like it. It really did affect the the quality of the sound. In fact, I had a friend of mine who was a professional DJ uh, play one of the records in in a club during, it was kind of like a break where Mm -hmm. he, but he just decided to throw the record on and it sounded like somebody had taken sandpaper to it. Um, But if you listen to like uh, the Beatles, I'll use them as the the highest quality of recording and sound once they made it famous. Night and day difference in the quality of the vinyl, but their records were always the most expensive ones. Um, I know that there was a period in the in the eighties, pardon me, uh, when the 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 records got real flimsy. They got real thin. Yep. Uh, they would get kind of flappy if you moved them around. Um, I don't know, probably a corporate cost cutting. Yeah, and they for- they'd melt in your car, and 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 so it's 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 the, the metaphor I like to use is look at the K car, and you'll see why Toyota and Honda are so big now, and uh-huh. and it's kind of the same thing with vinyl. Vinyl, there is no better sound than vinyl. Uh, our our ears are analog. We're analog people, and yet we will sacrifice that for digital fatigue 
and even the best quality DVDs and CDs will give you digital fatigue because it is a it is a packet. It's not a wave. It's a packet that becomes a wave. And a packet is discrete. And a discrete packet has to have has to be filled with either sound or no sound. Either way, that packet's being filled up. And that's what causes digital fatigue. It's because it's 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 a subtle, unnatural um, sound experience whereas a record is a wave and that's how sound is sound is in a wave so you can never match fully the quality of vinyl with something electronic the problem with vinyl was that it got scratched it got dust on it the needles right if it sat in the car too long you know all that other stuff and then they when they got cheap with the vinyl that drove the innovation to a better quality product compared to the the bad one and that helped CDs take off when they did. Okay. When you, when, so, you, when, when you talk about the, so the different qualities of, of the vinyl back back then, could you do you feel like you noticed the difference more now, or you noticed it back then too? Like you could tell, like this is this one, this record, like by the Beatles, is clearly way more advanced uh, you, than this. You could tell it back then. You could. Did, did, and, did the quality of sound matter as much back then, or? depends on what money you had and what kind of stereo you had because if you didn't have a good quality stereo you really didn't care you just wanted to listen to the music okay. if you had a better quality stereo that what you didn't want is some some garbage on there so the, the what I forget what the label used to be but there were records that were like reprints you know the third printing the third issue of a record and the nice price that's what it was called nice price yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it would be imprinted on the label, nice price. So the nice price was the bargain basement one. So I bought, well, I think it was Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, nice price. Did not sound anywhere near as good as my buddy John's first issue of Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. So yeah, there there, there was definitely differences in quality. But now, of course, they're, they're going for the artiste. They're going for the aficionados. And um, I'm glad vinyl's making a comeback, and I'm probably going to rebuy all of my albums at some point soon, and then I'm going to record them uh, and, and get them uh, uh, um, converted to digital so I can take them anywhere without having to keep paying for music that I already paid for once. Well, you'll have paid for it a couple of times, but you know they'll, the, the Springsteen estate thanks you very much. <laughs> well, if I, but if, but if I have a if if I have a record and then I play it on a record player phonograph that enables me to transcode that into a digital signal, I will take that music anywhere I want. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying, I mean, I bought, I paid for music. Oh, as you're a, repaying as a teenager. For music you pay for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I paid. Okay. I mean, I'm in my fifth decade. I'm yeah. giving Bruce Springsteen my money. I don't, I don't like thinking about that. The money I spent on cassettes, then CDs, then yeah, then on iTunes. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in the '80s, you would go into a record store, and they would have like Japanese imports. Yeah, and you're you're saying that was like the really heavy vinyl uh, that would have sounded better. It, well, I don't think it, it was limited to that it was it was pretty much if it, if if it was a high value band uh let's say it was a new stones album new stones album was going to be the best vinyl um a, a a brand new album by um uh, stanky brown 
probably not. Um, it just depended on what the how much money they thought was was going to come from that album sale, or how much money was behind the production of that album. So there were some bands like um, King Crimson would not allow a bad vinyl product to represent them. Um, they uh, other like Van Yes was another one like that. They were like, no, 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 no. You're going to put the best product out there because that's what we are. We're an art rock band, and, and they deserve the best. But then there were some schlock bands like The Knack, where, you know, My Sharona, which in my mind blew up art, artistic music as the world knew it, and it never recovered, um, were not going for the best vinyl experience. We're not going for the best acoustic experience. They were going to sell records. See, okay, I'm going to tell you something. I heard my Sharona like a few weeks ago and I thought, wow, that's that song's pretty good. Yeah, that's just how far down we've gone, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, we're circling the drain. <laughs> um, I want to go back. I want to go back to you lamenting the experience. So uh, because um, uh um, you talk about a place where like teenagers could go, and it, and and there was. I mean, I remember being a teenager at like the comic book store and like trying to be, trying to like listen in on to like like what older kids were saying, the older guys, yeah, um, and you know trying to in due course gain acceptance. I I, I have some similar experience with. Um, record stores but like a mom and pop record store was always I mean like could never compete on price right they were always super right. expensive yeah right um, and then you then you discover used record stores and that's a pretty good way to go um, I, I spent a lot of money as a teenager on on uh, you know rock and roll records I mean just um bands that i mean to call them a one-hit wonder is probably being generous um uh there is a roots rock band called rank and file and i'm not sure i could tell you what 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 the single was they they was were just name? like a rank and file rank, rank uh, and file well we have google we can look it up i know yeah yeah, it's going to be like they had no hit. <laughs> but so but the conductor it reached number flat? 27 on the South African charts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So they're they're the 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 top 3 they show is the conductor wore black, Amanda Ruth and I went walking. Oh, Amanda Ruth got some airplay. Yeah. So uh growing up in Colorado, there was uh the Boulder station was KBCO and they would play um uh more uh you know they, yeah. they, they weren't as driven by Prog you know, pop yeah yeah just um so rank and file was on rhino records rhino records was not insignificant they were no. rhino rhino was a big independent label back in the day yeah but i bought that record for seven dollars and i kind of wish i had that in my pocket right now <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I had that one back. It's all I'm saying, fellas. I mean, look, nothing against rank and file, but so so anyway, you you discovered used 
record stores and you try to find somebody cool. What was the name of the place? In Denver, it was Wax Tracks and it was it was kind of gritty uh, at the time. It was a it was a punk spot. But I mean, I, I would go in there and I would buy um, Springsteen singles for the B-sides because he would put out al- uh, songs that didn't quite make it on the album yeah. you know, on the on the back uh, as the B-side. And you know, it was terrific. Um, we, um, so, but, but now, even though records are making a comeback and record stores may make a comeback, um, I know here in the Dallas area, um, there's a used bookstore chain that sells a lot of records, but it's not, it's not the same. Um, you don't have the same sort of, yeah, the experience isn't there. No, it's not. It's not. It's it, it, which is, so that's a shame. I mean, I would think that, um, different places would have a market for, um, uh, uh, an independently owned and operated, a uh, place that was kind of a, a social a social place. Uh, I've talked about all in the dream comics and books in Denver on this podcast, and um, you know, uh, it, it, on, on a good day, uh, that's exactly what they offer. Um, uh, uh, you know, a place to talk about the, the things we talk about here: movies, books, music. Um, are they on? Uh, I'm pretty sure I went there. I'm trying to remember where they are, though. The corner uh, of Col- Colfax and Fillmore. Yeah, I've been there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's um, look. Um, uh, Ray deserves all the credit in the world for being in business on East Colfax for over 30 years. Um, but uh, he needs a vacation as bad as anybody does, so we can leave that at that. Uh, but he he knows. I mean, I I love his opinion so much. I mean, he's just he's just one of my oldest friends, and he's uh, great to talk to. I'd love to have him on the podcast, though. I'm pretty sure um, uh, he uh, uh, when Ray gets going, it's like. Uh, Joe Pesci doing David Mamet dialogue. So okay then. <laughs> Does he have a gun? <laughs> no, no. Uh, doesn't need one. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, listen, um, Mrs. Winger is holding quesadillas for me, and we've gone <laughs> uh, over time. But this has been good. And I, Galley, I got to get you on with Levine. Um, I'd like to. I, I'm. I'm. I'm still. I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad you two got to meet. Um, uh, so uh, we've had with us uh, my segundo, uh, Jared Reiser, uh, joining us on for this uh, podcast has been uh, uh, Capo Del Tutti Capo uh, Chris Galley. <laughs> <laughs> how how do you say it? Capo regime. Cap, 
Kappa regime. Kappa regime would be like the crew, right? Yeah. But if you're captain of captains, that... that... Oh, yeah, well, uh, the godfather would be appropriate. <laughs> See, but that's the point of this this podcast, Chris. It's to manage expectations. It's to, we're managing expectations. Okay, so you know, you know, you know, maybe you should be a captain, and we'll see how things work out. Okay, that's that's all we're saying. If you survive, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Do, but otherwise, don't ask me about my business, Kay. <laughs> Because of the Sicilian thing. <laughs> you know, Diane Keaton is really the weak link in... Um, yeah. Yeah. Playing the... Uh, I, I don't know if she was... If they were Jewish, she would be she'd be a shiksa. I yeah, mean, she's, she's, she's a Yankee. Uh, That's how she's described in the book. Have you actually read the book? I have read the book. Really? Long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told you the story about ha having the audio book, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you only get so far in it. Um, Jared doesn't know this story, so <laughs> I will just. So I've got the uh, so I've got the audio book on CDs, and it's in my truck, and um, it gets to a portion of the book where uh, Sonny. Uh, is described physically uh, as being particularly endowed. And um, so Mrs. Winger gets in the truck and fires it up. And this is, this is what she hears um, without context. Right. Presented, presented without context uh, for, yeah. So I had to explain that. You know, I, I could be watching the most innocuous thing uh, and then if Mrs. Winger enters the room, suddenly on the television, there will be like twerking. And then she's like, oh, that's nice. So this is what you watch when I'm not around. Is that what you want? You sicko. <laughs> anyway, um, fellas, it's been great. We're going to do it again. Thanks for letting me play. No, no. Uh, thanks for uh, coming in and splashing around a little bit. This has been Managing Expectations, a production of the uh, Pacific Century uh, Media Company, uh, which uh, a website of which uh, will be coming on, depending on what happens with you know the plague and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're all keeping our spirits high around here. Um, have a great night, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Now, uh, so thanks, and let's go to work. Sounds good. <laughs>